Hello and welcome to the Oodcast annual, audio annual for 2012. We're not a print format. No, no, no. So it's an audio annual. But the most exciting thing of all is that for the first time ever, all five presenters of the Oodcast are in one room together. That's and that right. just means one thing. The Littlest Doctor is with us. Hi. Oh. That was a good hi. Well that done. That is amazing. Uh, but we have all the others here as well. I'm going to go through really quickly. Oh, yes, yes. There's me, Laura. I'm all here. I'm Andy. I'm here as well. I'm Chris Alpha. Excellent. And it's getting very near Christmas. Can the littlest doctor please tell us who he's dressed as today? I'm dressed as um, David Tennant today. That is brilliant. I'm very much approve of that. I'm dressed as Dennis the Menace. <laughs> you always dress like Dennis the Menace. That's my favourite jumper. I told you to get your dog down off that sofa. <laughs> I'm dressed like an angel covered in butterflies. Luke, what have you been up to today? Let, let the listeners know what, what you've been up to. Building a Lego Star Wars speeder. Yes, that's right. We've had a look at it and it, it's pretty impressive and you've done it completely from scratch with your own design. Yep. It is pretty awesome. It looks a little bit like a duck with one eye. That is as close as Laura gets <laughs> to a compliment, so well done there. That's fine. <laughs> Can you make a duck noise? Yeah, well, I've got water in my mouth. Oh, well, oh. let's not do that near microphones <laughs> and electrical equipment. So. Okay. <laughs> that could be a special feature. Yeah. Luke, Luke's duck impression. Yeah, if, if, if this podcast ends with a fizzle kind of sound and lots of smoke coming out of your iPod or whatever device you use, it's because we did that. That would be amazing if we could short circuit. <laughs> Every iPod ever made. We get sued. Get it? Sued. S-O-O-D. Sued. Oh, yes. Yes. Now I see. I don't get it. No, neither. Is it a sooty joke? No. It's no. a nude joke. Guys, it's oh, a nude joke. joke. Sued. Oh. oh. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Thanks, Chris. <laughs> well, we've got loads and That's loads. more like la sued. <laughs> la sued. Yeah, la we sued. would. That's the French oud cast, isn't it? Yeah. La Sud. <laughs> Luke, do you know what other people say about our podcast? No. They say it's very good. <laughs> <laughs> do you know what we like? Very funny. Yes, we know what we like to um, play it on. Are you going to say an iPood? An iPood. <laughs> we don't really. <laughs> She's being very rude. Rude. <laughs> Your face looks like it's carved out of wood. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, dudes, let's do the rest of the show. Well, uh, we've got loads of festive treats for you on this this week's episode, uh, all themed around things you might find in the Doctor Who annual circa 1978. So hope you enjoy yourself. I remember that one. (laughs) (laughs) I was not alive, but I do remember it as well because I'm prescient beyond my years. And Andy bought it with his his, uh, bonus for his 20 years service in his first job. Shut up. (laughs) (laughs) So without further ado, the first ever audio version of the Oodcast Guide. The Oodcast Guide to the Weeping Angels. 
Neither as sad or angelic as their name may suggest, the Weeping Angels are one of the most feared creatures in the Who universe. This reputation is both deserved and curious, as their history shows. First appearing, to our knowledge at least, in contemporary England, having taken up lodgings in an old decaying stately home, they appeared to be the biggest case of all mouth and no trousers since Simon Pegg stopped talking to blobs stuck to ceilings. I mean, they hunt you down, peer at you menacingly from behind their stony fingers, and when they catch you, they transport you safely back in time a few decades where they leave you to enjoy your life in a slightly different version of the place where you already lived so they can feed on the potential energy left when you are displaced. In a way, it's almost good to get caught by one of them, just think of the money you could get off bookmakers by betting on things you already know. You could live really comfortably, presuming bookmakers exist, when and where you end up. Of course, this is still a method of killing you, but it's much less violent than the tactics the angels encountered by the Doctor on, the Bi- on board the Byzantium used. But there, they were the last survivors and were about to be swallowed by a crack that not even they understood the nature of, so we should probably allow them some leeway. Very little is known about their origins, although their appearances themselves have led us to some some clear conclusions. For example, they appear to be big fans of Earth movies from the 1980s and 90s, particularly the performance style of Keanu Reeves and the Ghostbusters movie franchise. Their current forms are clearly a homage to Goza the Gozerian and its stone dog guardians, their social skills a tribute to Vigo the Carpathian, and their cute animation of the Statue of Liberty a definite affectionate nod to the finale of Ghostbusters 2. Of course, the Keanu Reeves link would also explain their attraction to places with lots of phone boxes, rural England, New York, and of course the Doctor's Tarsus on distant planets. Theories are many on this, but it could be their way of gaining revenge for Mr. Reeves nicking the idea of a time-travelling phone box. The latest logged appearance of these creatures saw them running a sort of time-loop brothel, where punters were lured on the promise of a mystery to solve and were then cornered by hungry angels. Honestly, you don't see an enemy for a series and they've suddenly joined the oldest profession. So the essentials. First appearance in Blink 2008. Strengths, silent approach, evil looking teeth, looking just like lots of statues you've seen around recently, ability to fling you back in time. Weaknesses, unusual diet. Quantum locking occurs when looking at each other. Natural weathering and erosion. Can become violent when panicked by large temporal cracks. Foodcast data file. What is your name? Uh, Luke. Who is your doctor? The lieutenant. What would your superpower be? To fire monkeys in people's bums. If you could take a trip one way in the TARDIS, where would you go? The Egyptian era. When did you last cry? Yesterday. Which monster do you most identify with? The Ood. What is the greatest challenge that human race faces? The Olympics. What did you have for breakfast this morning? Scrambled eggs on toast. If you were a kind of bread, what kind would you be? Seeded bread. If you were the doctor, who would your companion be? Evie, my little sister. The Oodcast word jumble. The Oodcast are in a terrible state. Andy has accidentally knocked over their pot of interesting Doctor Who-themed words, and they've fallen into a neat 10 by 10 grid on the floor. How many can you find while we punish Andy with the hot coals? Starting from the upper left-hand square of the grid, 
and filling in each row in turn, the letters run as follows. T-H-E-O-O-D-C-A-S-T-H-E-L-L-O-O-O-O-K-O-K-A-C-E-S-D-M-Y-R-K-A-L-M-O-F-F-A-T-X-X-X-D-O-C-T-O-R-H-W-H
when he saw and commented on a lady of disrepute standing between two bits of agricultural equipment. There's a lot of prostitutes in this episode. <laughs> yeah. And now follows a short story by me, Michael, host of the Tin Dog Podcast. Are you sitting comfortably? Then I'll begin. Stephen had been drinking. Not like his fellow stereotypical Scots, but enough to make him question the identity of the tall visitor who sat behind his desk when he first entered his darkened office. The office was his sanctuary, seen by many as the most important room in the world. This is the room that Stephen Moffat used to write in. A simple room, awards over the antique fireplace, and a less than impressive leather couch. A large pinboard against one wall, with colour-coded notes and precariously pinned files, were the only clues to the creativity that went on in this room. The sound of the party from downstairs was muffled almost into silence as Stephen watched the figure who sat in his chair. His chair. No one sat in his chair. As his eyes adjusted, a smile crept across his face, realising who the figure really was. Matt, why aren't you downstairs enjoying the party? Is Matt Smith here? said the figure, leaning forward so that Stephen could get a better look of his face. Slowly, Stephen realised, you're not Matt. Who are you? Are you a fan? I can get the police here in a moment. His heart rate increased slightly. You know who I am, Stephen. The figure gestured towards the wall next to the pinboard. A tall, blue police box was parked against the wall. No, not parked against, parked through the wall. A soft blue glow marked the place where the police box and the wall tried to exist at the same time. I'm the doctor, he nodded slowly, and I need your help, Stephen. Stephen slipped down under the couch. His grip loosened on the whiskey in his hand. If it wasn't for the Time Lord's reflexes, a loud thump would have followed as it hit the ground. You're real, he said in a Scottish accent that comes from years of living in London. You know I am, Stephen. You've always known that I was real, somewhere. In an infinite universe, all variations on life must happen logically. So somewhere, you knew I was real. And I've got a TARDIS. I can go anywhere. Can I have an autograph? Stephen's inner fan kicked in. The rest of his mind was in denial at the most obvious of evidence. How can I help you? said Stephen. The doctor looked grim. Structuring his words in his mind before he spoke, he said it as plainly and as simply as he could. He was, after all, speaking to a human. Everything you write, it happens to me. And I was wondering if you could give me a bit of a holiday. Maybe next year, around November. He looked Stephen straight in the eyes. You see, to be honest, I've travelled into the future and seen what you have in mind for the 50th anniversary story and it's just, well, he trailed off. Stephen, I know you've just had the idea of what to write for the 50th anniversary story tonight and I'm asking you to forget it. I know that five minutes ago you had the idea... The one that you'll write for the 50th anniversary. And I'm asking you not to do it. Please, Stephen. And I don't say please often. Don't reveal my name. Just give me a few days off. The eye of Orion's still there. No name revelation. No meeting of my former selves. You know how much I hate that. Just a few days off. Buy a pool. A nice cup of tea. Something like that. Sorry? Said Stephen, realising that it would be career suicide. The doctor continued... Whatever you write, regardless of whether it makes sense or not, happens to be what happens to me. So write me a holiday. Stephen stroked his chin. 
An alarm went off in the TARDIS. Stephen realised it was the cloister bell. Everything he had ever thought was real. I have to go now, Stephen. Please consider what I'm saying. You're playing with mine and the rest of the universe's lives here. It's too important to waste. Moments later, the blue light on the top of the TARDIS was flashing and the wall was gradually reappearing as the police box faded out of sight. The screen on Stephen's desk was lit up. Whiskey in hand, he typed. The doctor sat on the beach. Looking up, he could see his own reflection in the screen. He thought about his meeting with the doctor and how the man had smelled just as he'd always imagined, like a cathedral, like dust. His right hand spread forward and he hit the delete button repeatedly. New words sprang on the screen. Something dark, something mysterious, something time-lordy. Stephen remembered the tales that Russell had told him the day he left the job. That every so often, a man who looked like the lead actor in Doctor Who would turn up and ask for a favour. Never grant the favour. The audience deserve more. After all, it's only a show. Just look at these matches. Andy's been playing with them again and he's left them in the shape of a small grid of four squares. Can you rearrange them to make the shape of the Doctor's TARDIS riding on a gust of time wind in the vortex? Full marks if you can. Half marks if you can rearrange them to make a rectangle. One mark if you can rearrange them to make a bigger square. The Oodcast Guide to the Headless Monks. These suspicious-looking tykes are known as fearless warriors who signed up to the religious order of the Headless, an order who took someone's advice a little too literally when they were once told to listen to their hearts instead of their minds. Since the order was established, they have developed a reputation for self-surgery, aimless running around in circles waving a sword about, and highly developed tri-cleaning skills. Each fully-fledged monk will not only have decapitated themselves and placed their heads in a box, but they have also perfected the technique of starching their own hoods to resemble the shape of one still in possession of their head. In the Battle of Demons Run, it was discovered that they had some fighting worth, if the scattergun technique is recognised as a military tactic in space. It is a level one heresy to even attempt to lower the hood of a headless monk. They take the cut of their habit very seriously. Essentials. First and only appearance, a good man goes to war. Strengths. Creepy chanting despite lack of voice boxes can hold a sword, religious fervour. Weaknesses, lack of head. That and having targets pointed out or described to them won't work unless you have some sort of psychic connection. Oodcast Gated File What is your name? Laura Beaud. Who is your doctor? David Tennant. What would your superpower be? My superpower would be super intelligence, um, that I could see a solution to any problem very quickly. If you could take a trip one way in the TARDIS, where would you go? I was thinking that I might take a party of friends to visit the Apalapachia Two Streams facility, um, because if there weren't handbots there. There appeared to be loads of brilliant attractions like the Mirabal Mountains and also the world's best roller coasters from the Disney planet of Klom and, uh, you know, all sorts of lovely things that would be quite nice to pass the time. When did you last cry? Um... Oh, the other day when I yawned a lot. 
Which monster do you most identify with? I most identify with the master because occasionally I hear drumming noises in my head because I've got tinnitus. What is the greatest challenge that human race faces? I think our own sense of entitlement and luxury. What did you have for breakfast this morning? I had some wasabi chickpeas and some dried sour mango and it was well good. If you were a kind of bread, what kind would you be? I'd probably be a pumpernickel. Not because I like it very much, but just because I really like saying pumpernickel. Pumpernickel, pumpernickel. <laughs> if you were the doctor, who would your companion be? Um, my companion would probably be River Song because I just really like, I think we'd get on very well and it's nice to have somebody around who seems to know what's going on a bit more than you do sometimes. The mischievous Sonates plan to take their revenge on the Oodcast by creating an almost perfect killer robot copy of Laura and then kidnapping the real one. Luckily, Laura escaped their clutches using a ball of wool and a hair clip. It was a whole thing, but we don't have time to tell you about it now. Anyway, the Oodcasts now have a big dilemma. How do they tell the difference between the two Lauras? Chris Sigma has an idea. Knowing that the killer robot duplicate has a partially faulty speech circuit, he asks both robots to describe a recent episode of Doctor Who. Here's what each of them said. Laura won. Mm, uh, mm, there was that uh, one with the what's it? You know, uh, the th- the one with the pillow that did remind me of a pork scratching left in the sun too long, and he was all crusty with the uh, you know robot parts, and I wasn't too impressed because well, the thing is there was some jolly ne- well nefarious goings on, and I was all like, oh hootsamon, look at me, some tattoos, and then the ending reminded me of a symphony by Mahler with all bang and no trousers. Laura too. Speech circuit compromised. Unable to make cohesive sentences. Partridge, Snowman, Allen, Pixies. Forgot the number the number one the the fade or well found the number zero one zero one 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 zero one 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 zero 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 one 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 one. Can you tell which is the real Laura? No, neither could we. Oodcast data file. What is your name? Chris Sigma. Who is your doctor? Well, I'm going to steal from Stephen Moffat and say that my doctor is the one who is brave and good and goes around in the TARDIS. Also, Sylvester McCoy. What would your superpower be? Um, I think it'd probably be super speed because super speed is a brilliant power for fighting crime, but is also great just for everyday tasks. So I'd be able to do my homework really fast. And that gives you an idea how much time I've been thinking about that answer. If you could take a trip one way in the TARDIS, where would you go? To an empty room filled with new TARDISes. When did you last cry? Uh, Last week, I was watching Silver Lining Playbook. I cry at most films. Which monster do you most identify with? The adipose. What is the greatest challenge that human race faces? I'd say trying not to kill each other all the time by every means possible. What did you have for breakfast this morning? Chocolate granola, 
um, it's for my diet it tastes lovely but it, the portion size is minute it's like three granules if that's what granola is measured in granules granola granules 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 if you were a kind of bread what kind would you be pop tart goes in the toaster bread <laughs> if you were the doctor who would your companion be tom baker The Oodcast Guide to the Silence. Have you done the Oodcast Guide to the Silence yet? Oh no, I really should do that, shouldn't I? The Oodcast Guide to the Silence. Oodcast Initiation Test To join the Oodcast, you must be capable of lateral as well as logical thinking. This may not come across in any of our episodes, but it is entirely true. The questions below are taken from the most recent Oodcast Aptitude Test. See how you get on. If you do well, you may be able to join us in an upcoming episode. Question 1 There are seven amputated Ood brains lying on a table you take two. How many Ood brains do you have? Question two. You are the pilot of a TARDIS. The TARDIS lands in 1812 and picks up nine passengers. It then flies to 1996 where it lets out five passengers and takes in three more, one of whom is a life form made entirely of sponge. After that it flies to the beginning of time where it lets out two passengers but gains a million tiny sentient single particle entities with the power to change base metals into gold. Now, when it finally lands back on Gallifrey, what are the colour of the pilot's socks? Question 3. A man is found dead, hanging in the centre of a room. There is a large puddle of water by his feet. There is no other furniture in the room. How did he die? Question 4. A boy and a girl are born in a hospital on the same day, at the same time, by the same parents, but they are not twins. How is this possible? Answers later on in the show. The Littlest Doctor's Littlest Quiz the littlest TARDIS has landed on a strange, deserted planet. The littlest scanner's not working, and he cannot get the littlest TARDIS databank to tell him where he is. Can you, using the clues in the picture below, help him to answer this question? Where am I? littlest TARDIS had landed. The littlest doctor stared at the littlest scanners for several minutes, trying to work out where they were. Where have you brought me this time? He said. The TARDIS didn't answer. Of course, littlest doctor said. You haven't got a voice. That will be today's mission, to find you a voice. 
The littlest cloister bell clanged in the distance. Littlest Doctor thought about it for a moment and decided that it just meant that she agreed. Rummaging in his deep but very little pockets, he pulled out a rather large map of the universe. Hmm, this map has a very large X marked on it. Maybe that's where I am. Putting the map away, he walked to the littlest doors and stepped out onto the planet outside. Oh, so that's why I had a big red X marked on the map. It is a big red X. And sure enough, the planet in front of him stretched out in just four diagonal red straight lines. He was stood in the middle, and at the far end of the red path to his right was a robot. I'll ask him. Maybe he'll know where I can find the voice for the littlest TARDIS. And he wandered over. As he got nearer, he called out. I say, old chap, hello. My good mechanical robotic man, do you know where I can find a voice? No sooner had the final word escaped from his littlest mouth, the robot exploded with a giant cloud of purple smoke. Ah, said the littlest doctor. Never mind, I think I've got some Ribena back in the littlest TARDIS and Star Wars is on intergalactic TV soon. And soon after, the littlest TARDIS began to disappear. Foodcast data file. What is your name? Chris Alpha. Who is your doctor? Peter Davison. What would your superpower be? To make tea out of anything. Tea solves most things. If you could take a trip one way in the TARDIS, where would you go? The English Civil War. When did you last cry? Two weeks ago at the end of the film Arthur Christmas. Which monster do you most identify with? Um, the Macra. What is the greatest challenge the human race faces? I think it's one of two. Um, it, it's either to make those balloons that people make balloon models out of uh, without making them squeak, or uh, it's how to eradicate the seemingly endless curse that's Justin Bieber. What did you have for breakfast this morning? Uh, porridge and tea. If you were a kind of bread, what kind would you be? Brioche. If you were the doctor, who would your companion be? The littlest doctor.
Oodcast initiation test answers. Number one. Two. But you disgust me. Number two. Whatever colour socks you are currently wearing, we said that you were the pilot, and we used the present tense. Number three. A Dalek shot him. Then it hung him up and weed on the floor. Number four. Time travel. If you correctly answered all of those questions, congratulations! You are now an honorary Ood. Please send your membership fee of £5,000 via PayPal at theoodcast.com and you will shortly receive your hand-soldered Oodcast badge. Thank you for listening. Goodbye.